I said, how was your week? It was fine. Uh, what'd you get into? Eh, nothing of note, really. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Man, so we got a, a good uh, show lined up today. <laughs> uh, so uh, some of the things we're going to be tackling. Let me pull this up here. As I said, uh, I, I said, Rob, uh, I told you last week, we forgot to recognize the greatest out of Shakur, right? She's still with us, and we always want to remember her. Her birthday was last week, and I, and I always try to um, make sure I recognize uh, folks of that uh, pedigree. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing Dr. West versus Harvard, right? Um, discussing AP classes in our schools. Uh, also, uh, uh, later on the show, we're going to talk about the uh, National Association of Colored Women, which was founded this week back in 1896. And there's a few interesting facts about that organization uh, that are truly phenomenal. And, um, you know, uh, you know, it's a tip in the hat with sisters. You know, sisters always got it going on. We can't have no, it could be no black organization without the sisters. And so, um, you know, this is an organization that the sisters created. And, um, you know, at a point in time, we're talking about 1896. Uh, you know, it delves into things of class and all those other things, but really, um, really a phenomenal organization and a phenomenal set of women who came together to organize that. Uh, also, we're going to pose the question, uh, can Haiti impose sanctions against the U.S.? Uh, now, the reason why we ask that question is because so there's been a lot of cyber attacks on U.S. companies of late, and the origin of these cyber attacks has been Russia. And so uh, Joe Biden uh, had a conference with uh, Putin, Alexander Putin, last week, and uh, he threatened to impose sanctions against Russia if they didn't do something to curtail some of their actors within their borders. And the reason why I bring up Haiti is because, as it's being revealed, the uh, conspirators who took out the Haitian uh, <laughs> from American soil. So technically, that's America's responsibility. All right. So uh, well, what does uh, the government's uh, role in this? Right. The, the responsibility they have. Uh, and also uh, we're going to also touch on. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a history geek. Uh, Herman Ferguson, the great Herman Ferguson. If you live in Southeast Queens, uh, you've been in South Queens for some time. And uh, the judge, William Booth. Uh, again, those two names might sound familiar. And if they don't, we're going to discuss them. Uh, and, and I found it interesting because uh, they they both kind of different approaches uh, 
to upliftment of the of the race. Uh, however, there was an issue that I believe they coalesced around. All right, and I'm, I'm actually I'm talking to my elders now and in, in, in the coming days to find out that exactly to what degree, and I will discuss that later on in the show as well. But uh, Rob, yeah, so would you, you want to touch on with the uh, Cornell West and Harvard situation? What'd you have well, in mind? We started on it last week when uh, all the details weren't still out. They were being kind of quiet on it. And come to find out this week, he, was, he released a letter and he's been doing the talk show circuit about why he retired, uh, turned down their offer, why he left, and why he believes that they refused tenure. Yeah. And you're an educator. So first, I think you should explain to people why that's important, why tenure actually means something why it would be something to be upset about. Well, you know, uh, so <laughs> so famously, uh, college <laughs> or education as an industry, even though there's billions, trillions of dollars in education, uh, that money does not trickle down <laughs> to faculty. <laughs> uh, and Cornell West is one of the few advocates that I see out there really pushing the issue. You know, there's a lot of folks who teach in higher education who are, I mean, less than minimum wage, especially uh, if you take into account the amount of work that goes into it that you're not getting paid for. Uh, you know, I'm talking about grading papers, creating tests, and, uh, and things of that nature. So he's an advocate in that nature. And so, but it is a type of thing you can do well into your life, right? You can, you can, you can you can teach well into your nineties, right? It's not laborious, right? I would never compare it to anybody who has to do work outside. You know, um, uh, my brother brother Rockman, uh, who I told you we're doing the STEM program with, uh, he t teaches math at BMCC two days a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it, at a point, it, it allows you to do other things, right? It frees you up. So tenure is uh, a thank you for your, your work, of course, like any promotion is, uh, and, but it also uh, allows you to prefer, uh, pursue uh, higher um, ideas in education, if that makes sense. So if you had an educator as lauded and globally recognized as Dr. West, you'd think he'd be a pretty good candidate for tenure. Right. I mean, he's he's Cornell West, <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this man's had tenure before. That's that's one of the things that's being left out of this discussion too. They were. This was a review. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to see, you know, if he qualifies. This was a review of his tenure, and it was turned down. So he and in his letter and in his statements, he said that. He believes it's political. It's due to his political work, specifically around the Israel and Palestine issue. Yes. And it's, he made a point that it's not just him. It's not just because he's black. It's because specifically of his stance on Israel and Palestine and how Harvard views their faculty and its professional position. He yeah, noted that uh, and is uh, a Jewish professor received similar treatment over the same topic. So he doesn't make the case that it's unique, that his treatment was unique, just that he's kind of over it. And this whole, uh, this whole situation in higher education too. And I think that's one of the 
important points that needs to be brought out. You see this pattern and we report on it, we talk about it all the time. This is something that does need to be noted. It, when, if you have such a strong hold on the education world and you see it reflected even in other topics now, like with the quote unquote woke battles, if you have that kind of influence within the Ivy League or whatever, these institutions, however you want to classify them, you're, you're basically making a little cult, a cult of personality and a cult of idealism. Anybody who makes it through your system and, is in, and wraps up their, their being in being one of your alumni, they're going to adopt those ideologies. They're going to adopt that group thing. And that's why we have the situations that we do in a lot of these situations, in a lot of these cases, when it comes to cultural issues here in America. You have systems of groupthink in place that you cannot graduate unless you make it through this nonsense. So whatever squirted out on the other end, of course, they're going to perpetuate the same nonsense systems. It's what they've been trained for. In fact, we're making it so that those are the only ones that make it through the system and then place them in these thought maker positions and influencing positions, knowing full well they're not qualified to do a goddamn thing. We're not passing these people because they're smart. We're passing them because their legacy, mom and dad bought a library, or they just mouth the right words to make it through the system. Yes, you've written your papers. <clears throat> I get it. College research can be hard. I have plenty of friends who are teachers. But let's be real. Shit's not a real job, and it does not prepare these people for real life. Oz, you're an educator. You, you deal with college kids all the time. These young human beings, you know, they're coming fresh out of a system in education, whether it be high school, private school, or whatever. But they're still young and very impressionable. They have zero life experience for the majority of them when they get to college. All their formative experiences are going to be through those colleges, especially in an Ivy League situation, which you're basically sleepaway camp. The problem is in the schools, Oz. This is why we can't change shit. If you keep electing leaders that all come through Harvard and Yale, you're going to get the same Harvard and Yale garbage. And I think that subtly that is what this Cornell West situation points a big red arrow at. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you can trace the, the and, all the woke wars back to that uh, Evergreen College nonsense. Have you looked at that? Now, honestly, Oz, any number of children at that point physically threatening an adult professor, I couldn't be a teacher in that situation. I would beat the living shit out of like half those kids. The um. Uh, so, well, first of all, you're right. I agree, right? Uh, there's a certain level of classism that is um, uh, prohibitive, right? It's uh, uh, I said in I, I said on the show, the the last mayor election, not the most recent one, but the last one, I voted for the guy who said he was a porter, right? I thought that hey, mm -hmm. if a porter can become mayor of New York City, then democracy is functioning well and forth. That means we're not looking at. Uh, 
your background as far as education or anything like that. We're looking at the merits of your person, your personality and your abilities. Um, if because you're really going to have a person makes a living as a porter has no real impact on their level of education. But that's I, I know they make their money. that's not but within that's their skull. That's why I voted for him, because I know that's not how the general public would perceive it. So I had to make sure that I voted for him for that one reason. Right. As I said, OK, he's a he's a he's important guy onto the ballot for mayor of New York City. I'm voting for him. I didn't reach out to him uh, unsex unsuccessfully, uh, but I voted for him for that reason. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah, classism can be uh, can be toxic uh, in a number of ways. Although I'll admit that I do believe classism is natural. Uh, part of human existence. It's just how we use it and how it's viewed, right? But I think it naturally does develop, right? Because it starts in the, in, the, in the home structure, right? Your parents and children, right? Your parents uh, are higher in the class order because they take responsibility for. Uh, and that's one of the things we're also gonna get into later on in the program when we're looking at But the, our quote unquote uh, elite class here has neglected all of their responsibilities. That's why things are in the situation. Yes, absolutely, right absolutely. It's very. It's, but I mean, the, the class is for decades now. How it functions is dysfunctional. And so, how do you, how do you, uh, uh, what were your ideas when you, 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 you posed the topic of AP classes, advanced placement classes in our schools? Um, well, uh, what you again? It, it feeds. This is an, an extension of that. This is a minute. There's a microcosm of that. Here in New York City, we have our you know specialty schools. There are some schools that have for years have been known as where you want to get your kid into or if you're a kid where you want to get into because they have the programs, you know, the, the buildings aren't falling apart. And, you know, back in my day, you didn't have to worry about having more than one school in your building, especially if you went to one of these schools because they had resources. And we're taught from a very young age that this is how you have to compete. You know, it's subconscious, but every kid knows, you know, if you talk to one another, if you went to 109 or, you know, IS, you know, 112 or whatever, then it's that kind of classism already exists amongst children. Mm -hmm. Okay. You take that a step further and you look at the specialty schools like Stuyvesant, right? That are known as the math and science schools. And you do have now entire neighborhoods and ethnic groups within those neighborhoods trying to lay claim to these special program schools. Mm -hmm. It's competitive. That cannot stand. And the fact that the system has been so corrupt that for years this has been allowed. Now that there's trying to be some correction to the system, now there's a problem. Again, we have a unique situation where all of a sudden Asian family groups and Asian community groups exist and they found their cause. Keeping sure, making sure that black and Spanish kids stay the fuck out of their schools so we can't learn no math and science. Now, the numbers don't support the fact that only Asians can get into these schools. In fact, they're looking at the tests now and come to find out they might be a little skewed, even in how the tests are administered. Mm -hmm. Now, Racism when you look at how SUNY. <clears throat> Well, it's not just racism in this case. This is something that's been entrenched where it's become, it is its own little ecosystem. If you, I've mentioned it before. No, well, yeah, the idea is that certain neighborhoods. the Asian community has deciphered how to master that test. Uh, other communities have not. 
Uh, so it, it is racism. It's There's just a that specific you reason. Can, you, can, you can you can get comfortable racism. You can you can morph yourself until you fit right in place. So racism is just fine because you found a way to make it yourself. Right, that can happen. Well, uh, the person the American or Asian community has carved out the little comfortable spot for themselves. They're they're, yes, they're, they they're the nice minority. You know, yes, they are. Very, very yes. acceptable brown folks. <clears throat> so uh, one of the things that I also say, I also say, right, and um, I think uh, uh, there are studies that prove this out, right? Um, if you look at uh, some of the your, your entrepreneurs, uh, none of them mm -hmm. are rarely A students. They're not, right? Because an A student means that you've mastered the system so much that you know exactly what the system wants and you can give it to it, spit it out. But now you've corrupted yeah. yourself. And so we find that... Uh, People who go on to kind of really reinvent things or invent things, are they're C students, right? Because they know the system enough to pass, but they haven't uh, caught because they're trying. They're busy trying to figure out how to how to fix the system or how to fix something that's broken, and so they really don't conform. So they're not going to be A students. Uh, they know it enough to get past, so they're C students. So that's why you you have your your. I mean, not to give them credit like this, but your Bill Gates and Larry Pages, these guys who technically dropouts, right? Um, so then they're obviously not A students, but they, they understand the system enough to, to get to that point. But they don't they don't uh, they don't master the system so much where they can just regurgitate everything the system sits out of it. Right. They've gotten they've gotten to a well, point that, where okay, there's a big distinction there, too. Our mm -hmm. our media lauds people like Bill Gates and for being C students and still becoming billionaires. But they're all but, but, they but the fact that Bill Gates started with a safety net. You can't Come be. On. A, a clever black or Spanish kid who is that kind of atypical C student and still make it the way that they did because they have that safety net I, of I believe you can. money. I believe you can. It's a totally, believe, you can, but you it's can. not the same. It is not no, the well, same, okay. Oz. Anytime you have a, Bill Gates I mean, can be a C student and fuck around. I mean, C around student at a Harvard. Because I mean, C student at your most prestigious institutions, meaning the hardest part about a Harvard is getting in. So once you get in, yes, and then, and let's say you're a C student after that, that's fine. Um, there's a, a brother by the name of um, actually Cornell West is one. Um, what's a brother from New Jersey who just ran for Senate against Cory Booker, right? Uh, he went to Princeton. I mean, the, the, I, I don't think he was an A student per se, but the idea is that uh, once you get in, you're in, right? The, the system kind of looks at you a certain way. You understand that. But you don't have to completely conform and be an A student, and then you're just regurgitating, figure out how to master to regurgitate what they're giving you, right? You just want to understand enough to get by. At that point, is what I mean. It's fine to be like a, a C student, right? You, you gotta, yeah, you gotta get to that point. Once you get to that point, and you're trying to fix the system, struggle with the system, of course you're not going to be an A student trying to struggle with something. Um, once you start challenging what they're teaching you, you're not going to be an A student. But that's that's but the way a lot that's of you those examples to... were not. They're not challenging shit anyway. Bill Gates didn't challenge a damn thing. Bill Gates stole no. his way to the top. Okay, and he didn't start yes. off poor. He could have been a C student his entire fucked up life. It would not have mattered. Okay, so we need to pick better examples. Number one, when we when we're really talking about these things to our kids and in public, these people, they, he's not a good he's not a good person or an example. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Larry Page, Michael Zuckerberg, these guys are all dropouts. Oh God, not the Zuckerberg too. Jesus, a fucking they're dropouts. They're, they're but they're dropouts, but they're 
not examples I would use or pursue at all. Uh, so uh, again, you got to you got to meet people where they're at, and uh, as far as that discussion goes, those two are barely people. people. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we all God's children. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he's got to take everyone. That's his problem, not mine. But the point is, yeah, uh, as in any system, if you're trying to to change it or challenge it, uh, you don't want to master it. You just want to understand it enough to try and reform it or revolutionize it. Right? Uh, you so the people um, that we're pumping out aren't talking revolution. Though. And the ones who are talking revolution, again, the system is going to naturally spit out. You know, if you look widespread at black culture, Cornell West is one of those voices that, a very few voices that are globally respected and has such, such a presence that he's pretty much known in every nook and cranny. Okay. Outside of music or sports, who can you name that has that kind of reach, especially an educator? Are you serious? Our entire culture is based on entertainment. And here's an educator. And this is the person that, you know, our Ivy League system decides to spit out, to turn away. So there are deeper things here going on. I would, I would, where I just, I, I, what I would uh, separate from him is I, I'm not looking to get into any white doors anyway, right? And so, uh, the idea of looking for a white institution to do right by you, I think, is dangerous. And um, you kind of you should you get what you get, right? <laughs> we, we sh you shouldn't expect any different. So uh, you know, I mean, I believe that it's good for them to challenge it. As I said last week, it's good for us to see people challenging it. But um, uh, conversely, once he gets smacked down, I also think that's also good because it allows everyone else to see. All right, look, he did everything right. Look what they did to him. Right, King did everything right. Look what they did to him. Right, I think those are good. I think those are good examples. It helps. Uh, it helps well, folks organize. Well, that's a, so now, if you have a hero like that working on the national and global scale, how come we don't have at least one of our representatives talking about the school situation here in New York? I got Grace well, in my mailbox right now, trying to rally the Asian population so they can protect schools that are in Brooklyn. We're in Queens. Well, yeah, actually, we're, I'm actually doing a petition right now as we speak. Uh, we're, we're planning a lawsuit against uh, the school board for the failing schools in our district. I can actually, I just, if I if I could get, uh, I don't have the digital version to share with you guys. Um, but yeah, so we're actually, we're mounting a, a, a protest against the school board for the failing school schools in our school district with his uh, school district 29 here in New York City. Right, um, the the principals for Amarala schools were failing principals elsewhere. Our superintendents were failed principals elsewhere. Um, not just this one, but the one previous. I mean, yeah. So, so as far as education goes, uh, I'm not waiting for nobody else to do what I can do for myself, especially on something so important as education. So, if you have a a population like ours, and all the schools in that area all of a sudden are failing for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then now, those are all the ones that you move to privatize. Decades. decades. Yeah, but they've been doing that around the same amount of time that they've been privatizing these schools. Yes, uh, Bloomberg. Seems like something like a little bit of incentivizing might be going on there. You know, yeah. I mean, if Mayor Bloomberg. Literally, our schools are for sale at this point. 
and all, all the schools in a certain part of Queens are the only ones going through this. I don't know. Might seem like a bit of a conspiracy there. Yeah, you said it. I didn't. We might want to take a look at that. I have lost all composure and patience with these criminals. Yeah, yeah. Very so, yeah. clear discrepancy. You said earlier that uh, these communities have mastered these tests. They haven't mastered yeah. shit. It's literally widespread group cheating. Anytime you can go into a community and have four different test-taking businesses on the same freaking block, all not in competition with each other, they're not teaching your kids to study better. They're teaching them <laughs> the goddamn answer key. Hey, they say okay. if you're not cheating, you're not trying. They say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> now, That's what they okay, say. so my question to you then, my question to yeah. you then is, do you, A, get mad because they're cheating and doing it effectively and have decided as a community to cheat the system that is set up to cheat you? So if I had kids walking home from junior high right around the time that he should be studying to take that test to get into one of these specialized schools, he's literally got to walk past a bodega, two liquor stores, another bodega, an entire shop that I have no fucking idea how still in business, and then several more lots. You go in this other neighborhood, they got to walk past test-taking centers mm -hmm. and places that will actually prepare them for the next level of education. And brothers and sisters, I work, I work in Flushing. I so see he, a fucking he, conspiracy. What he's saying is absolutely true. What he's saying is absolutely true. If you, uh, if you walk down Main it Street... Is not even, I am prone to... <laughs> I, I, I exaggerate and use colorful language, obviously. But that was no exaggeration. Honestly. Not sure. You know they got that. a bunch of test standards. Uh, yeah, walking from the bus stop to my, to, to, to my class, I pass at least three. <laughs> yeah, and they will teach yeah, your yeah. kid. It doesn't matter. Your kid don't even have to speak no, English. They no, teach even have to speak in English. your native language <laughs> to take that test. So, and one of the things I brought up last week, there are communities that are English as a second language communities that are performing better on yes. English exams than our children here in this community. Here. <laughs> yes. English ESL communities in Queens that perform better on the English exam than we do here in Southeast Queens. So, yeah, so um, you can't tell me that there like, are not knives out for this community and they're coming from the call is coming from inside the yeah, house. If you don't you understand racism, it is. everything you think you understand only serves to confuse you. If you don't understand racism, then but you can ask yourself. racism at that point because these it's motherfuckers are blacker than I am. No, 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 no. These motherfuckers are darker than I am. Okay. That, 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 that don't make you black. <laughs> that don't make you black. If we go to if we go to do like that, uh, we that's why we, we we make these kind of mistakes because we don't understand racism. Racism mm. ain't got nothing to do with being black. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah they absolutely right. picked the color green because there is serious, serious, and like you said, decade long discrepancies that take the kind of public planning that doesn't come from just well, you need to be better parents, or as Joe Biden would tell you, play a record so the kids can hear words at night. Um, I this did want to touch past that shit. I did want to touch on something. I'm not sure, uh, Rob. Have you are you paying attention to this race out in Cleveland uh, between Chantel Brown and Nina Turner? No. All right, so it's a congressional no, I, race. Uh, I told you, national garbage. If, if it's not within my zip code, oh, okay. they can fuck themselves. I've had it up to my eyeballs with the national parties. 
they, oh, yeah. Useless. So this is so this is what this is about, right? This is a referendum on that because Nina Turner is not part of the National Party, um, but she is highly popular, right? Um, meaning she was uh, yeah, Bernie she Sanders' surrogate. Uh, and the, but the party and Bernie is, Sanders did to her. Well, he's out there campaigning for Bernie her right Sanders now. Bernie Sanders is another one. Yeah. Race. Bernie Sanders is a goddamn joke and a half. At this well, point, well, I mean, what, what do you expect? He wants Sanders? to play the inside game. Huh? Yes. What do you expect from Bernie Sanders? He wants Sanders? to play the inside game, but every time he opens his mouth, he can say something great to a crowd in the street when it don't matter. But when he's in when he's in chambers or he's face to face with somebody like Biden, he turns into the world's biggest teddy bear. You're fucking useless at that. Point. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure why you thought Bernie Sanders was revolutionary. You do us no good. All he did was run for president. A guy who runs for president is not going to be a revolutionary. I'm not, he's a politician. That's what politicians do. Yeah. You know, he's not a revolutionary. No, I learned yeah, that lesson with Obama. Huh? You know, but you know who doesn't no, turn into Obama a teddy bear? Was a, Obama was who one of my turn, better teachers when it comes to Who doesn't turn into a teddy bear when they're around Joe Biden? Nina Turner. <laughs> she hmm. said, ask me to vote for Joe Biden. like, ask me to eat a, eat a plate of shit. That's what she said. <laughs> so you know, she did. She never missed her words, and hence the establishment is really pushing Chantel Brown uh, in opposition to of her, course. which I, and I think it's going to be. But she, you know, <clears throat> I think this is. If the you race see the part. Democratic Party, anybody who's proudly putting that D behind their name, if you see them pushing somebody, go the other way. But it's go the other way. This is Democratic primary, so that that would exactly. be exactly. <laughs> But she's Whatever. not. She's not. Uh, she's not a, a, a party kisser, Nina Turner. Again, is. so I understand that. But as much as Nina Turner has been through, if you follow her career, yeah. I I couldn't even be in the same room with some of these people. Oz, I'd end up with charges. Okay, matter of self control, my brother. <laughs> they're not worth having a discussion at a certain point. Is a waste of time with them. Because they're not even dealing in good faith. Well, well what I what I was organizing out uh, the, the the function of politics. The function of politics is that no one's supposed ain't supposed to agree. Material. Politics means you're not supposed to agree. You're supposed to everybody so wasting your time. Everybody's supposed to come to the table with their own opinions. It's supposed to be different. And everybody, if if politics works well, everybody's supposed to leave the table upset because they have to give up something that they didn't want to give your up. Your mistake. The no, problem is no, the only no, people don't mistake will, disagreement. No, I'm, what I'm saying That's is we, we not. No, no, no. You're using a, right now. You're yeah. quoting from like a political science mantra, and it is a fake. No, no, no. Well, yeah, that's democracy. You, we're supposed to have different opinions. That's true. I don't got a problem. Yeah, listen, I can talk to the clan. I really don't give a damn. That you're assumes right? uh, I'm the person like you're talking you. to having a different opinion is fine. But the Klan is dealing in good faith. If you were to talk to a Klan member, that Klan member is dealing with you in good faith because whatever they're going to tell you, if they say to you, I hate niggers, guess what? You can probably put stock in the fact that they hate niggers. That is a true thing that they have said, even if their position is opposite yours. So you're not even now, dealing with an entity that is in, in the, in the, in the, in like of chats, having that chats. kind of conversation that would produce any results with if merit. If you understand your opponent that well, then it should be easy for you to play chess with them. If you understand what a person's thinking, you don't have to worry about what they'll do. If you understand your person, your opponent that well, then it should be easy. Right? 
You should win every you time. You are dealing with a person who you cannot play chess with because they don't follow the rules of the chess board. Your knight will. But if you understand they don't follow the rules, then you understand oh, yeah. that's that's Be part over. of your problem. They will not move their knight in that function and still claim to play chess. That's what I'm saying to you. So while you are moving your pieces according to the scheme of chess, they are not. Their bishop well, like, will turn. Like you, well, like their you said before, they have turn. figured out a way to, to you cheat the system. And the then they'll have the audacity that when you That's take their king the to flip system. a board no, and you, say, oh, you, I'm great at checkers. Part of it, you just said that the Asians are cheating, right? The same way you're talking about. So that means they mastered that. They are, okay, I can cheat No, this they're way. not cheating. No, they're not even cheating. The Asians looked at the board and said, oh, if a rook can do this and move in a straight line, right? We're going to make it so that we put up channels so that everything is a straight line. All our pieces will be rooks. You didn't say there could only be two rooks, so we'll make all of our pieces rooks. That's what they did. We need to, because they realized that they were dealing with someone who really isn't playing chess. Their opponent isn't actually playing chess. They just like to say they are. Again, once so you understand the Chinese these things, and Asian communities decided do the same thing. They said, oh, we know how to play chess too, and just made up their own game. Cool. That's part of knowing your opponent. continues to try to play chess and explain to them our opponents that, no, you're not actually playing chess. These are the actual rules. And we stupidly keep thinking, well, maybe they just need more time to understand the rules. No, they understand the rules. They're not playing our game. We need to get no, to the point as a community where we're doing the same thing that the Asian community did and said, oh, so that's Agreed. what you call chess. This is what we call Agreed. chess. And just so that's where, uh, where that's independence That's where independence comes in. Right? When you're independent, you can play by your own rules because you're not looking for nobody else. Even if you break the rules, you're all they're all they going to do is send you back to your own boxes where you want to be anyway. And so, yes, that, that is fine. Right? You're supposed to figure out how you can play by your own rules as a community. And once you do that, then you won. Because then it doesn't matter what game you're playing. You so, can play and no, go. To say that the Asian chess. community is cheating would be a misnomer. They're not eating. No, but that's what you said earlier. That's that's that. I use that term because that's what you said earlier. You said that they're, they're, they're mm -hmm. not figuring out how to master the exam. They're figuring out how to. That's what I think. That's what you alluded to earlier, at least. That's why I referenced that. Well, that's different. No, the, the creation of the education centers and funneling them, basically teaching them to the test from an early yes. age, is cheating the system. Okay. It's working the system, but they're probably, let's be honest, they're teaching them how to take the test and teaching to the exam. Okay. okay. So is it cheating? Cheating the test? Maybe. Who knows? Whatever. It's a business. I mean, you know, My I'm point back is that as a community, they've looked at the situation and said, okay, you want to call it chess? Well, we're going to play Go. We've looked at the situation and said, oh, they just obviously don't know how to play chess. We're going to learn how to play chess, get really good at chess and then be confused at why we keep losing. But that's because the point. They're cheating you dumb that's motherfucker. That's not, that's actually, you touched on what I'm saying. You just got to know how to play chess. Once you know how to, because you can't cheat at chess if you don't know how to play chess. So you got to learn how to play chess first, right? But you just, you're trying to figure out how to beat the system, which is what makes you a C student. You're never going to perfectly, perfectly know it because you're not trying to perfectly know it. You're, just, you're looking for holes. You're looking for ways to, as a community, not as an individual, as a community, and that's really what it's all about. That's why you end up being a C student, and that's why the C students get ahead, because they're not, they just like to understand it to, a, to get past. They don't want to master it. 
right? They don't want to be A students. They want to be Ford. Uh, Martin Luther King called it Cadillacs and Fords. You don't necessarily want to be a Cadillac. You'd mm -hmm. much rather be a Ford because a Ford can go places that a Cadillac can't go. <laughs> before like before right, we're, we're, we're coming up on a time, Nina Turner, uh, I wanted to um, talk about the National Association of Colored Women, uh, which was founded this week okay. back in uh, 1896. Again, we, we hear on, on the appeal always function in the spirit of Sankofa, looking backwards and to always look forwards. And, uh, you know, this, this collection of women is really, uh, it amazed me, I'll be honest with you. Uh, two people specifically, well, there's a couple, there's three. So first, you know, you have uh, Mary Church Terrell. Uh, some of you will know her from the suffrage movement, the civil rights movement. Um, uh, she's the first African-American public high school. Oh, no, 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 take that. So first... African-American women to be appointed to the school board of a major city in D.C., <laughs> right, back in uh, 1906. No, I take that back. Until 1906. So in 1896, you're right. <laughs> and, and again, I said, people, we're doing this thing, we're doing this coming out of slavery. You know, we're talking about the 1800s. Right, uh, we're, we're creating these things, and this ain't because our parents were active in the schools. Now, mind you, um, our parents were both freed slaves, mixed race, but freed slaves nonetheless. And uh, she became part of the elite class in, in Memphis. But the, the, the two people that really, as far as the, the, the founding uh, board of this group, uh, one is Helen uh, Cook, Helen Apple Cook, uh, who was also a founding member. Uh, of uh, the Niagara Movement. You've heard us talk about a uh, okay. book uh, of um, uh, W.B. Du Bois, right? The, the Niagara mm -hmm. Movement is a predecessor to um, uh, the NAACP. Uh, she famously challenged Susan B. Anthony. Uh, yeah, 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 I mean, but so, so you, so you kind of get the, um, when I say the Niagara Movement and I affiliate her with that, Helen Cook, you understand the kind of philosophy she's working with. All right. She was one of the prominent African-American activists, uh, also in the D.C. area. All right. Um, but so she served as she served as the first treasurer. Uh, uh, the, the chairwoman of the executive committee was Margaret Murray Washington. Now, who is Margaret Murray Washington? You want to guess? She's the third wife Margaret of Booker Murray. Washington. She's the third yeah. wife of T. Washington, right? She was she taught at Tuskegee, um, and uh, yeah. So the reason why this is interesting because you have one woman who's you know working with with W. B. Du Bois, uh, another woman who's married to Booker T, and they're able to still come together and form this organization while they're while they're not one's husband and one's male counterpart. Are you know, I would say bitter enemies, right? We could say that, right? Um, in, in hindsight, <laughs> but the they were able to, the sisters. Now, I'm not sure that might speak to sisters, that might speak to how things should function in black communities. They may have right? been bitter enemies, as far as they may have been bitter enemies, but they had common cause, and that is the difference yes. in yeah. today's political yeah. landscape. There are people within our assumed party or on our assumed side who do not make common cause with us. They are ideologically opposed to us. 
Yes. That's why we have yeah, yeah. We don't have any books do when it comes to electoral politics. And WB boys <laughs> today. <laughs> no, we don't. I'm not making that mistake. What I'm saying is, you know, uh, the reason that we look at these things is we're trying to understand uh, the best practices. So can we understand what was done? What, what were we able to do? You can't say we can't do this and we can't do that. And I'm trying to point out that we did do this. Right. So it wasn't that. Um, um, it's uh, more you frustrating that because we have historic examples of us making that kind of progress. We've had past examples of greater progress on a faster timeline. That's why I don't it think becomes people know so that. frustrating I, to see our modern yeah, I don't rate think of people know that on a slower I think, timeline. I don't think people know that. We, we, we had these, these past progress. When it it sounds... Well, I think that part of that, that's also very just seems like frustrating at the amount of progress. And you're like, well, okay, that is pretty fast. You look at our progress socially from the point of civil rights movement now. Eh, fast, if you want to say so, but then you take a step back and you go, well, really, it's not. We've hit the brakes. Things have been slowed down. We got to a point where we're like, okay, we're not openly hating each other. But then it's like, oh, so now we can kind of slow walk everything. It's like it's yeah. the same problem you have economically, where you defeated the robber barons a hundred years ago, blink and they're back. Yes, they are back. You, if you look at the state of work today in America, you cannot preach American work ethics overseas to anyone outside no, of like a true dirt poor third world country. Our quote unquote allies in Europe look at us and our economy and our work ethics and laugh. We are literally a giant slave colony compared to them. And we helped rebuild those bastards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Their taxes yeah, yeah, yeah. go to healthcare and schools and educating their own. Our tax dollars go to blowing up shit paying off other people's bills <laughs> and yeah. getting them to rebuy our weapons. That's our biggest industry right now. We sell weapons to our friends. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We um, need to get our priorities straight. We really do. Which is, again, why I advocate so, everyone, leave these national parties alone. They ain't doing shit for you. Work on your community. Yeah, I, 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 no, no one would ever disagree with that, brother. No one would ever disagree with that. No, no thinking person would ever disagree with that. Uh, it depends. I mean, again, but if you're a listener in the Asian community right now, you do have a representative in Flushing who's reaching out and looking out for your kids. It'd be nice if yeah, we had I, some of that, wouldn't it? For certain, no, Mr. Meeks maybe did his job. I'm not sure they they look to Grace Ming. As that, I think the Asian community is solid, so therefore you're not looking for the politician to do things. They're just supposed to be there. Now, there are other greater. She uh, is a junior representative. My point is that she's a junior representative who has been able to take an active lead in a in a institution that's based on seniority. So for her to be a junior representative and be put in the forefront like that, that comes from a certain place. You and I both know that's coming, again, the call is coming from inside the house. So you have a solid community that's getting solid representation from a member who really doesn't have to work at it, but it's 
still getting boosted. Meanwhile, literally less than 30 miles away, you have another community with a more senior representative who's getting none of that kind of show, who's getting none of that kind of support. The party, the only thing they've actually done to boost this uh, representative is keep his federal filings and charges quiet. I'm about tired of that shit. Why is it our elected rep who's been up there and sits on committees like finance, but yet our, we get nothing back? We don't get a part of that pie. And that, uh, again, an authority. Meanwhile, you got a junior one who literally keeps their cards close to their chest, but still gets pushed along. And their community benefits for it. There's a real imbalance here that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Allowing that kind of representation for this law is what has it has made it okay to treat us like shit. Seriously, that that is a big part of it. Because I guarantee you, those, those other communities that we talk about. Even if they put up their little token and the party decided, yes, they're a good little boy or they're a good little girl, we're going to keep pushing them forward, they would come out in mass and not vote for their ass. So you'd have to do some serious fixing to keep your puppy in power. We don't fight back properly. Otherwise, there's no way this cavalcade of clowns could remain in power this long with nothing to show for it. We have to redefine how we call, what we think of as power. And that might be another way of also thinking about it, right? Uh, they only have power when you give them power. You know, they just have titles, the way I see it. But um, that they have is titles, about but those titles come with access, and we have to change that. You, you have anything? You have anything to say to the folks before we uh, check out? Uh. Same, uh, another message of just, you know, find what works in your community or what doesn't work in your community and work on that. It'll bring you a lot, it'll make you a lot happier and you'll be able to see tangible results. And that's what's actually important. Being able to see real progress in your communities instead of just seeing the bad news from around the rest of the world. That's really all they want to show you. Um, I want to give a, a birthday shout out before we go to Hail Selassie. Hail Selassie, uh, emperor of Ethiopia. His birthday was this week. Um, uh, Franz Fanon, oh, the famous didn't... Franz Fanon. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened? We have to remember to touch on Haiti and the sanctions again next week because that is a good topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, an important yeah. one. And yeah, for the record, yes, stuff. I do believe Haiti <laughs> should be able to impose uh, sanctions just like because they're a sovereign nation and they should exercise those sanctions. Yes. We go around slapping sanctions on every place we can see on a map. And yeah, honestly, that's the point. Sanctions that, that are, the but now, but you can declare sanctions. We've had sanctions placed on us by other nations before. The problem is enforcing it and getting other countries to go along with it. We <laughs> have the same problem, too, a lot of times when we tried to, like recently with Iran. That was a big part of the problem when we backed out of the Iran deal and the rest of the world was like, okay, you're stupid. Stop it. And we're like, no, you got to sanction them. And the rest of the world said, no, we're not going to go along with it for on this one amazing occasion. The rest of the world realized, oh, that's a bad idea. So for once, the system actually worked how it's supposed to. 
you can have sanctions against anybody you want. It's whether or not there are other kids at the table go along with you. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. That's the point I was going to make. But we'll explore that again uh, next week. Uh, so uh, happy birthday to Hell Selassie, as I said, uh, Franz Fanon. Andre Dumas, many might not know this, uh, the writer of uh, The Count of Monte Cristo and, um, and uh, The Three Musketeers, was a Negro. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting. I'm not sure that. <laughs> I'm, not sure how, I'm not sure how he saw himself. I, I never detailed that. Um, but worth note, it's interesting. Uh, Kenneth yeah. and, yeah, An accomplished, and globally accomplished French writer. Black as space. Every time I see him, they do like a, a depiction of him. They actually have him as a white guy, right? The, uh, it, it's very really? interesting. I can show you. Yes, he's depicted as a white that. guy. I'll show it to you. I've I, seen I, your I, I, wow. I find the clip and I'll show it to you. They, they talk about Dumas and they have a white guy playing the role. Anyhow, although um, that's weird. I always thought Kenneth, it was weird that he is a black guy and he's so you know prominent. Yeah, yeah well, he, he's not a black black guy. You know, he has his his grandfather. Was his grandmother was from mm -hmm. Africa? I mean, straight from Africa. Mm -hmm. But every you know, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Kenneth Bancroft Clark, uh, along he along with his wife Mammy, uh, were they found the Northside Center for Child Development in Harlem. Um, mm -hmm. Also, they're also one of the early founders of Harlu. You've heard us talk about Harlu here on the show. How are you? Which is Harlem Youth Opportunities Unlimited. Um, uh, with uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's father, Cecil deGrasse Tyson, right? They were one of the, the organizers for that. And um, he was the first black president of the American Psychology Association. And uh, with that, uh, I'm going to close out with a, with a uh, quote from Hale Selassie. A <laughs> uh, people without a nation, they can really call their own is a people without a soul. Uh, Till next time, uh, my Africans and those of you at African Adjacent, see you in the future later. Peace. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Sing the Ashwing On the wake up. So here it is, y'all. Are you tired of being censored? Shadow banned? Shit, are you just tired of creating content? and making these platforms famous. Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just gotta move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them perfect people a 10 second snippet, a 15 second snippet, and make them come to OTWTube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. There's only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTWTube is where it's at.